0: Does the stress of diabetes hold you back? Does diabetes get in your way and keep you from doing the things that are important to you in your life? If it does, you're not alone. The stress of diabetes is challenging, and more than anything else, it keeps you stuck. If the stress of diabetes is getting in your way and you can't figure out how to get it out of your way, I have something for you. I just launched a six-week program called Get Unstuck with Type 1 Diabetes, This program is designed to help you find the freedom, flexibility, and confidence you're looking for in your life with diabetes. If you're looking for ways to navigate around the stress of diabetes so it doesn't get in your way, this program is for you. For more information, visit thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash program, and you'll see what a difference this program will make in your life. That's thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash program. If you buy before May 5th and use the discount code PODCAST, you'll get $100 off the program fee. That's diabetespsychologist.com forward slash program discount code PODCAST. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type one diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. Have you ever tried to describe to somebody what it feels like to have a low blood sugar? I mean, be real descriptive. When someone asks me what it feels like to be low, I usually give them a vague answer. It feels or it feels just like I'm not all there. But I really believe that unless you have type 1 diabetes and you go low, it's really a hard experience to explain. And when you have a hard time putting words to your experience with diabetes, it can make you feel really alone. We can't give other people the experience of going low, at least not in a way that's gonna be safe. So we end up being alone in our experience with diabetes, and only able to talk about it with other folks who get it, which means other folks with type 1 diabetes. I think a lot about how great it would be if we could find a way for other people to understand what it's like to have a low blood sugar, or at least how debilitating they can be sometimes. And I think the first step to this is finding ways to put words to the experience of having a low. Not the vague words that we use oftentimes, but really specific words that other people can understand and maybe even relate to. Having words to describe our experience not only can help other people understand it better, but also help people with diabetes understand and make sense of the experiences that they have. Words are powerful and words have a lot of meaning. And we need to be able to find the words to accurately describe our experiences so they truly reflect what's going on for us. And once we have words to describe our experience, it makes it more tangible and easier to deal with. It takes the experience from being this invisible monster that we can never see and never understand to being something that we can describe and make sense of and find ways to navigate in our lives. When you can't put words to something, it makes navigating around it really challenging. It also makes it hard to ask other people in your life for support around this issue when you have no idea what you're experiencing, and what you're asking for. Having words to describe your experience is helpful not only for low blood sugar, but also for things like diabetes burnout or anxiety or feeling embarrassed or uncomfortable because of diabetes. This episode of the podcast is all about a really cool way that we can put words to the experience of having a low. My guests on the podcast today are Mike Lawson and Ginger Vieira. They recently wrote and illustrated a book to help kids put words to the experience of having a low so they can describe it to their parents and their friends. It also really helps kids to normalize the experience of being low so they don't feel so different. I think this book is a great resource for both kids, but I think also for adults to help us to explain to other people what having a low really feels like. This book has some really descriptive words that we can all use to explain the experience of going low so we can help others understand this experience and get the support that we need and also not to feel so alone in our lives with diabetes. Here's my conversation with Mike and Ginger. Well, Mike and Ginger, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation about your new book.
1: Thanks for having yeah. us.
0: You bet, you bet. So before we begin, I wanna kind of just have my listeners get to know you a little bit, and know who you are and about your life with diabetes. So Mike, can you go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, my name is Mike Lawson. I was diagnosed with diabetes about 20 years ago. Um, Originally misdiagnosed with type 2 and spent a year kind of in that struggle trying to figure things out. Um, At the time, I thought it was a really unique kind of misdiagnosis, but I'm learning that it actually happens to a lot of people. Um, So I, uh, after diagnosis, found some people online in the 2Diabetes community, 2diabetes.com, and then Um, eventually found a job over at Diabetes Hands Foundation and worked in the diabetes space for a bit. Now I work for a theater production company. I live in Oakland, California, and I draw pictures. Um, I have another book uh, that I did uh, a little bit before this one called Open Up Your Bag, which is also a a picture book for kids with diabetes. So this is my second in, in in a series, I guess.
0: Awesome. And I have to tell my listeners that Mike drew me an awesome caricature a couple of years ago for an event that I did that I'm going to try to post online somewhere so you guys can all see it because it's uh, really cool. I like it a lot.
1: Mike caricatures are the best. I've got one on the back of the book that he did of me and then he did one of himself.
0: Awesome. So Ginger, tell us about yourself.
1: I was diagnosed when I was 13. I actually diagnosed myself a week before that at the school health fair and no one believed me and they dismissed me, and I started crying later in the week because I didn't feel very good, and it turned out I was right. And uh, the year after that, I was diagnosed with celiac. Thank goodness Nabisco has finally come out with gluten-free Oreos. I can live in peace. And I also have fibromyalgia, which I developed a few years ago. My kind of um, entry into the diabetes space really came from problem solving for myself. I fell into competitive powerlifting and intense weightlifting in my early 20s. And the endocrinologist that I was seeing at the time was very dismissive and useless. And I had to figure out on my own uh, how to juggle around that. So I've written now five books, including When I Go Low with Mike. Um, The others are on pregnancy, diabetes burnout, science experiments around type one, and emotional eating around type one. Um, And I write content for a variety of websites, and you can find me on Amazon.
0: So I want to really dive into the book that you guys just published, When I Go Low. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the book and what it's about, Ginger?
1: So the book is really for any young person... And maybe the older ones too. You could give this to your grandmother. Like I should send a copy of this to my aunt because she doesn't get it, you know, and I'm 35 going on 20 years with this. But it's really meant for young people with type one who are learning how to spot the symptoms of low blood sugars and talk about the symptoms. You know, hey, mom or dad, I'm feeling XYZ right now. And I think I'm low to help them catch the low sooner, treat it sooner, stay safer. So
0: that's the biggest message. Yeah. So be able to be able to put words to your symptoms and your feelings, I think is really an important part of living with diabetes, both to be able to communicate with other people, but also to help them to be able to understand what you're going through. So often I talk to my patients and they tell me that they go, they're going low and that their husband, wife, mom, dad doesn't really get what that means. Doesn't really understand the feeling. And so being able to describe that and be able to put words to it, especially for kids is powerful.
1: I mean, even as like a mother, I've had times where I know I said to their dad, like, Hey, I'm really low right now. Can you stick around in the room? Cause I can't handle this three-year-old climbing on me. And it's so easy for him to forget that. Like I really, because you're here, I'd really appreciate it. You took over, you know, and I so wanted to like induce a low upon him so he could see what it felt like and it would stick in his mind more, you know,
0: I think we always should induce those on people, not because we don't like them, but because we want them to understand really the feeling that it is. And it's not a good feeling at all.
1: Yeah. And just the way you have to like, I mean, the day doesn't just stop. You can't just go take a nap and eat some cereal. Like you have to persevere through feeling terrible, even after you treat the low for hours afterwards.
0: So Mike, what inspired you and Ginger to write this book?
2: Um, That's a good question that Ginger usually answers because she came to me first. Um, I had written the book, Open Up Your Bag, that I just talked about. Um, and she came to me and said, hey, I have this idea for a book about Lowe's. And I, I thought it was just wonderful right off the bat for all the reasons you guys kind of just went into that I myself have trouble talking about Lowe's and I can't imagine how somebody who's dealing with a toddler who, you know, is kind of just learning language, um, how they can develop a conversation around something so serious. Um, I thought this would be a great resource for families. Um, Ginger, do you have anything to add about the kind of your inspiration to writing the words, which came first?
1: I, so, I mean, I guess I would have two tiny little children, neither of them have type one, but I've been reading a lot of children's books and I also I see you know, how hard it is for kids just to think of like, I need to go to the bathroom right now. But also um, I have sat with a room full of kindergartners who had type one and they were all at the like nurse's lunch table and just watching these kids deal with counting carbs and taking injections and pricking their finger and their pump sites. And it's just incredible. It's like the bravest little bunch of humans you ever saw. And it's scary, right? That they have to deal with this. It's scary as a 35 year old woman that I have to deal with low blood sugar. So that really, I wanted to create content for them.
0: When I hear you talk about this book, it reminds me, I have a two-year-old daughter who just over the past couple of months has really started talking and really being able to communicate well. And so her big thing right now is when myself or my wife work out, she says daddy's working out or daddy's done working out or mama's under, mama's <laughs> working out and so she really kind of understands those concepts she also sees my pump and she see, she says daddy's pump and she's not really aware right now when i'm low or if i'm low but i'm sure that at some point soon she's very perceptive and she will be and so to help her to understand what's going on for me i think could be helpful um, from this book. What do you guys think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I've read this book to my kids now probably 10 times. We read it again last night and they giggle when we start singing the chorus, but they know I have type one. They know it's about me really for them. Uh-huh. You know?
0: I would love to read it to my daughter, although I'm I'm nervous doing it because I'm worried that it'll become her favorite book. And she'll be like, she'll <laughs> want to read it every night.
1: <laughs> and you'll have to sing the chorus part every night. She's in that
0: phase <laughs> where she loves that same book every night. I
1: don't see a problem. Can you also put it on YouTube every night of reading the book there? That would be awesome. Thank you.
0: What do you guys hope that people reading the book, both adults and children, will get out of it?
2: I I think that I've benefited a lot from finding people like Ginger, like you, Mark, um, who kind of are going through the same stuff that I'm going through, um, and I think that this book kind of... It, it, you know they're they're animals they're not real people but they're characters that are kind of living diabetes It sort of like normalizes the experience and helps people kind of just see themselves in others and maybe you know I i think that could be really beneficial to a young person kind of developing a management routine um so i hope that this book gets in front of a lot of people and a lot of people become friends with jack the cat and sherry the sheep and said the mouse, like these are your friends with diabetes and um, not to jump the gun, but I hope that there's more in this series, other books kind of dealing with other sort of challenges with diabetes where you can find your friend Jax again or your friend uh, Sherry the sheep again, who's gonna help you kind of deal with other parts of of management.
1: We also talk about bravery and the, the characters talk to each other about how brave they have to be to deal with type one. And it really, I think when you're, if one of my children were to ever develop type one, one thing that I know that I would really want to avoid and it worries me when I see it in conversations online amongst parents is instilling a feeling of pity in the child because they have to deal with type one. You wanna acknowledge like how how immense it is what they have to deal with without instilling pity because pity is just like, it's a barrier to taking care of yourself and thriving, right? I mean, you just can't thrive if you're also feeling sorry for yourself. And so I think it's a really good message for parents to help convey to their kids of like, look how brave you are for dealing with this every day. And that is a feeling of courage and confidence and like, look what I can go do, you know? Um, So that's really important to me to convey to kids.
0: I was talking to an endocrinologist a while back, and he told me that one of the biggest challenges that he faces in his work dealing with people who have a fear of low blood sugars and it's something that i see on a regular basis in my practice and that people come to me because they're worried about going low part of that is certainly a fear of going low and feeling like they're not gonna be able to handle it when they do and so i think giving kids a resource to be able to grow up in the sense that yes i when i go low i have resources around me to help me but also normalizing the challenges of going low. Because I think that sometimes, especially people who don't understand diabetes, don't understand what it's like to go low. If you don't have diabetes, it's really hard to understand that, that it's hard to normalize. You look fine. What's going on? Why can't you get up and get going right now? And they don't understand what it feels like. And So I think being able to help kids normalize that feeling and be able to verbalize it is going to help them a lot.
1: I've actually also had friends who do the opposite. They they treat me like I shouldn't even be left alone with my kids because I might have a low blood sugar Mm -hmm. and like, Oh, I worry about you being alone with my children. And you know, that's like too far on the other side. Like I'm perfectly capable of parenting even though I have type one diabetes. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you, either one of you live with um, what I call I'm fine syndrome. So I certainly do when I'm low sometimes, and someone wants to help me, especially my wife, (laughs) Um, I don't want the help, but I'm fine. Leave me alone. And until it gets to a point where I really should have accepted the help half an hour ago, giving kids the ability to seek help and to get support in that can help eliminate i syndrome and kind of help, help avoid some of the problems that I've experienced in my life and in my relationship.
1: <laughs> I actually have a recent funny story. I don't usually go low in the middle of the night. And I had a really bad sudden low in the middle of the night. Cause I'd eaten pizza and I was completely winging it. And my, I was sweating covered in sweat. This was actually when ACs were still on air conditioners and the room was freezing cold, but I was a million degrees and my boyfriend's trying to wake me up, and he's like, Ginger, I think you're low. I think you're low. And I was still half unconscious, and I'm saying, It's fine there's nothing we can do about it. It's just, (laughs) it's just shitty. We can't do anything about it. It's fine. And I did that for like five minutes before he got me to get up and eat Skittles. And I was like, I only want 10 Skittles. I don't want to overdo it. And he's like, it's freezing in this room and you don't even notice. Get up and eat those Skittles until you notice.
0: Mike, you piqued my interest when you said that hopefully there's more on the horizon for you guys with these books. So can you give our listeners any idea about what maybe next in the lineup?
2: That's a question that Ginger and I still need to sort of hash out. I think that our, Ginger and I have been friends for a really long time, um, but we've met online and we kind of just connected mostly online. We've been in, you know, in the same room only a couple of times, but I I feel like our our partnership is strong. And also I've read everything Ginger's put out. Um, She wrote a really great book called Diabetes Burnout, which uh, has helped me get through a lot of stuff. Her book about it and Bill Polonski's book on the same topic have, you know, just kind of, I could have written them myself if I was more articulate. Like every, you know, word in there like rang true. So maybe something along those lines, I, I would love to see kind of expanded into something for maybe a younger audience. I don't know if uh, a, to- a toddler book about burnout is the perfect, <laughs> perfect idea, but maybe something for, you know, a bit older Group, what do you think, Ginger? Any other topics that you think are have
1: to come next? Well, we actually got a couple ideas when we were um, talking to a JDRF chapter the other night. One on one boy was asking for some content on having to deal with celiac, also, mm-hmm. and then another discussion that the kids were having amongst themselves was about having to talk about having type one out loud and to talk about it in front of their friends and tell their friends they have it, and it was a really big deal for them to put it out in the world, in their in their group of friends, in real life.
0: I think finding ways to normalize the challenges of type one and also, Mike, normalizing burnout. There are things that we can do to reduce our chances of burnout, but at the same time, we live with a condition that is, we're always on. And so we're going to get burnout sometimes. And so if we're able to talk about it and have people expect it, um, especially yeah. kids, and see that, yes, you're feeling stressed, but that's normal and that's going to be okay and you're going to get through it, Um, I think it helped them an awful lot. So I'm excited to see what's on the horizon for uh, both of you together. How can folks find this book and how can they get in touch with you guys um, to learn more about it?
2: We have a website, which is diabetesdoodles.com. And on that website, you can find links to both the books we talked about, both of the picture books for kids. There's also some free downloadable like supplemental sheets. So some coloring sheets, some word searches and that sort of thing that have these characters in them. Um, or you can just search Amazon for when I go low and you'd find the book there as well.
0: Awesome. And I'll make sure I put all that information in the show notes for this episode.
1: We also have on my YouTube channel, I have read the book aloud and Mike did his awesome video editing and my kids are reading it with me too. So you can see the whole book read aloud on YouTube.
0: Before we go, I want to ask you the same question I ask everyone who comes on this podcast. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten around the mental health aspects of diabetes?
1: Actually, it was very recently. I was interviewing the host of Pancreas Pals, which is a different podcast with two young women. And one of them has their phrase that they say, just give yourself some grace, give yourself some grace. And that really was really helpful when, at the time I heard it and every single day since and before. <laughs>
0: That's awesome advice. How about you, Mike?
2: Mine's kind of similar. And I've received this piece of advice from multiple people kind of in this field. I feel like I've heard something similar from you, Mark, and also something from you, Ginger, about how like a number isn't sort of a judgment, but it's really just kind of a piece of information that you need to, you know, act on. And, you know, that's kind of it. It's not a judgment on me. And it's not, I, I kind of have a perfectionist sort of attitude where if you know a number isn't perfect, and I don't even want to test it. I don't want to see it. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It it really does need to kind of I need to register it. I need to sort of collect the info and then create a plan when I'm sort of in a in a good place.
0: It's similar advice to the to the advice that our friend Adam Brown gives a lot is that a number is more like a GPS reading. Mm. And it, it tells you where to go as opposed to anything about you and what is right or wrong with you.
1: I like that. I hadn't heard that from him yet. Cool.
0: Well, Mike and Jinder, thank you so much for joining me today. This was an awesome conversation and I really look forward to uh, seeing what is next for you guys and really continuing to dive into the work that you've already done. So thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Mark.
0: That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you've been enjoying this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. I always love hearing from my listeners. I love hearing your feedback and comments and questions about this podcast. To get in touch, send me an email at mark at com or DM me on Instagram at psychologist. And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Always remember, type 1 diabetes isn't easy, but you can have an easier time with it. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast.